Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 99 Ooh. of the MTB podcast. I am Jeff. And I'm Jared. And I'm Liam. <laughs> Why do you say it like that, Jared? Because I always say it the same. I'm going to do it a little different this time. <laughs> we are here to talk about some good mountain bike stuff. All things mountain bikes, as usual. We're going to go over a really cool fundraiser slash raffle going on right now. My personal latest custom mountain bike that I built up, our documentary film that we hope wins Sundance, and we're pretty sure will, a recent... (laughs) Don't laugh. (laughs) A recent quote-unquote innovation that's raising some serious skepticism in the uh, mountain bike world, which is a fun thing to discuss, and the usual listener questions that cover everything from tire tread versus compound, night riding tips, and much, much more. Wow. And before we get into all of this, DJ Green Goblin, please play a sound effect. And also, listeners, please let us know if you have any new nicknames for DJ Green Goblin. He originally got that name because for some weird reason he had green hair for two weeks and now he doesn't have green hair and he hasn't had green hair for a really long time. We need a nickname for him. Thanks. The raffle slashed fundraiser. I like how the bike industry does these. It's yeah. uh, it's a really good way to basically the the kind of the common method you could say is a bike brand will partner with a nonprofit of some sort and they will uh, essentially raffle off a bike or two bikes and the uh, raffle tickets go directly to the nonprofit's uh, mission. And Revel Bikes is doing this right now. I think they've done this Two, three, four times with Love Your Brain? At least three, maybe the third year. Yeah, Yeah, could be. So so, uh, Love Your Brain is the nonprofit that Revel has partnered with for this fundraiser slash raffle. Love Your Brain is a foundation that – nonprofit organization that improves the quality of life of people affected by traumatic brain injuries and raises awareness about the importance of brain health. So TBIs, for short, a lot of people say it is TBIs, traumatic brain injury – and uh, yeah, it's an amazing nonprofit. I first heard about them because of a Revel uh, fundraiser like this that they did, you know, quite some time ago. And they're doing another one right now. And this time they're raffling off uh, two bikes. So I guess it's your it's your choice of bike. They're, it's a custom painted a purple Revel Rover gravel bike as well as a Rail 29 with like super nice spec builds. Mm. And yeah, you can you can you know every $10 donation gets you a chance to win one of these two epic bikes wow uh pretty cool yeah so i think this this thing is uh going on until uh november i should i should have had this memorized sorry it's going on until november 4th at 11:59 p.m. so about um, a week. We'll put the link in the show notes, but you can probably just Google Love Your Brain Revel Bikes and you'll find it right there. And you can uh, enter to win one of those bikes. And while you enter to win, you simultaneously support a really good cause. Talk about a win-win. Talk about a win-win. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Talk about a win-win. It yeah. kind of is. It is. It's cool. So, yeah, check that out. Uh, I really enjoy when the bike industry does those things. I just like when any business kind of operates as business 2.0 and does good as opposed to just only trying to make profit it's a good thing the world needs more of oh yeah and imagine getting one of those bikes for 10 bucks yeah (laughs) that's someone will somebody will actually two people will one person will get the gravel bike and one person will get the that would be unbelievable i've personally never won anything like a giveaway or contest fundraiser i don't think i have either yeah i mean uh, I saw like you know Santa Cruz did a couple recently. I think they're donating to like a local trail building organization like Sierra Trails or something like that. Yep. And they gave away like a top of the line bike, and I mean that'd be so sick. Yeah, just like well, yeah, yeah I just won a ten thousand dollar bike. <laughs> like <laughs> it's hard to even yeah. imagine that happening, right? That's gonna happen to two people in this yeah. case, which is cool. Yeah, good for them. Definitely. The next thing we wanted to mention, uh, we just uh, recently dropped uh, – actually, we've been putting out a lot more YouTube videos these days. Heck, yeah. And the one we just dropped was a video of me talking all about this recent Revel Ranger that I built. And I've talked about that bike on this podcast a lot because it's one of my favorite bikes that I've had for a long time. And I just built yet another one, had it custom painted by Technar, put all my little special trinkets and fun things on it. <laughs> and Trinkets? <laughs> What did you What did you actually put on it yourself? Uh, well, I didn't physically do all that. Oh, okay, <laughs> you, that's that's what you're just doing. Yeah. Thanks for the sorry. Sorry. Let me clarify. Liam. I didn't build any of this bike. 
Um, <laughs> because at some point ago, I thought it might make sense to hire a very highly qualified, talented mechanic to do a lot of mechanic work, including my own bikes. And that's where Liam came in. And now he's exclusively uh, my bike mechanic. That's pretty much the only bikes I work on. It's yours and mine. <laughs> yeah, at this point, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is pretty nice. That was very good foresight on your part. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. At some point as a business owner, you have to realize you have to hire other people and not just do everything yourself <laughs> if if you want to have a business that has any type of real impact in yeah. the world. And you can't be uh, can't afford to be working on your own bike in your off time. I mean, that'd be ridiculous. Off time. Oh, I have. Oh, yeah, you don't have off time. Yeah, yeah. He's, oh, well, he's a bit more on the benches now. We yeah. did see you work on your bike in Durango. Yeah, I saw you wash it. It was impressive. Oh, yeah, I did wash my bike. You did wash it. And uh, I believe you even bulk checked it, lubed the chain a couple times. I mean, yeah, now every time I do anything on a bike, everyone's like, oh, you're working on your own bike. (laughs) It's just like a big deal. I just get made fun of left, right, and center for that. It's like, all right, well. I don't. I mean, I don't know what to do. <laughs> You're pretty much stuck in like a purgatory, yeah. or you can't yeah. do one or the other. There's yeah. no, there's no winning in your position. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very true. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> if, if you're curious, please check out that video. I've made a few of them on just recent bikes that I built up because a lot of people have asked that over the years. And uh, yeah, it's fun to do. It's fun to make a video and talk about kind of every little thing that I preferred specifically on my bike. I know a lot of times in our videos and media of all kinds, we always kind of say a ton of stuff that you put on your bike is personal preference. And, but at the end of the day, we actually all have our own preferences as well. Mm. And so it's like, yeah, I might tell you to do something different, but if you actually are curious in what the heck either one of us are doing, we can try to talk about that on our website and YouTube videos. So check that out if you're curious. And more importantly, we, uh, we talked about the Breck Epic, was it last podcast or the one before? I can't remember. The Breck Epic, yes. the huge six-day mountain bike race in Colorado that we were all at, uh, we we filmed the documentary. Mm-hmm. We released it. We entered it into the Sundance Film Festival. They immediately replied to our email and said, this is brilliant. It's highly likely to win. Yeah. The last part of that statement was completely untrue. <laughs> but the first part was true. It is on YouTube. And I thought it came out good. What do you think, Jared? I think it's absolutely uh, fantastic film. I think our boy DJ Green Goblin over here, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Louie, a.k.a the man uh did a fantastic job filming and editing and with the music choice um and just conveying the emotion and the experience and the vibe and the vibe um and yeah i mean i think he did an excellent job and it's one of my favorite pieces of content that we put out for sure yeah it was a very different piece of i mean we normally put out kind of more educational practical mountain bike component related things and uh this is very different than that it's kind of a documentary of three of our staff one of them being liam who raced the breck epic and uh we tried to just capture the whole you know the whole week of riding and racing and fun having and shenanigans um which most you know you and dom are pretty tame dom went to a concert (laughs) one of the nights during the race you were you didn't really do anything you're pretty pretty tame guy i was tame oh yeah Yeah, it was was. good good behavior (laughs) Uh, but Weaver, Zach Weaver, on the other hand, who you've heard about on the podcast before, uh, he raced it, and I think he should win the award of the guy who had the most fun, most likely, like the whole yeah. week. Yeah. yeah, definitely most fun finisher, finisher who had the most fun. Yeah, maybe from everyone who raced a Breck Epic, not just us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like <laughs> his sure. his week overall. If there was a way you could kind of categorize the various activities you partook in during the week on top of the race, yeah. and rank them from a fun factor, he'd probably be. <laughs> You might have won that competition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't give away too much. Uh, hop onto our YouTube channel. Check it out. It's uh, it's pretty cool, fun little watch. Um, hopefully it wins Sundance. Yeah, it I'm will. Opt- I'm optimistic. And if yeah. that's the case, I'm quitting and I'm going to go to Hollywood. <laughs> uh, we, we are quitting. We're going to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. We're all going to Hollywood. We're going yeah. to Hollywood. Uh, that would be awesome. That's right. Uh, okay, let's talk about something that – was was uh, it needed a, a pep talk prior to discussing it on the podcast because I wanted to make sure we remained positive and calm. Mm-hmm. There, uh, this just did this just come out today? So we're today, recording yeah. this on what the heck is the day? The twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. You're probably hearing it on the twenty eighth or something. Uh, anyways, Canyon and Lightville came out with a gizmo gadget innovation. Self-centering steering technology. Called KIS, Keep oh, It geez. Stable. Uh, this this uh, is, there was an article on Pink Bike today about this, and it's, it's an interesting little 
gadget that sits inside of the top tube and has springs that are connected to the steer tube. Um, I'm a little confused on their kind of... I don't really think they provided a concise pitch of what this does and how it's supposed to improve your ride. Did they? I couldn't really grasp that. Me neither. Maybe it's in their sales copy, but it wasn't really in this pink bike article well. It was a little hard to understand. The so so a couple things. We'll, we'll we'll just we'll just give you a couple little tidbits from this article. I mean, there's kind of a lot to this thing. I I don't want to try and summarize it too briefly. Um, it would make more sense to you got to you got to see this thing. You got to just just Google it. Look at Pink Bike um, Canyon K I S, and and you'll find it. But I'll, I'll I'll leave you with a couple things. One of the quotes from uh, the guy who wrote this article on Pink Bike, he says, Don't get me wrong, the downsides are subtle and easy to overcome with practice. There are some upsides too, in that the steering feels more weighted and settled, especially on low-speed uphill switchbacks where there is less wheel flop. But I noticed the downsides more than the upsides. Hmm. So that, that was just a quote I'll pull from there. I mean, he goes into more depth about it of course um I, th- I think the other thing which is a little always pretty much always interesting to look at on pink bike is the top comment of course in this case <laughs> at at present it has 758 thumbs up on this comment and the comment is solution to a problem no one had mm-hmm. uh liam's clenching his teeth over here because he doesn't <laughs> know what to say I mean, that comment pretty much sums it up. I yeah. didn't know this was an issue that needed to be addressed. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, in in my lifetime, right, I, I rode motocross, uh, dirt bikes of all kinds before I rode mountain bikes, and I've used a steering stabilizer um, in kind of off-road motocross racing and other types of motorcycle racing, even on-road. Those are still common and useful in certain scenarios for certain bikes and certain riding stuff. No one uses them in supercross races, um, so they're not in other cases in motocross. There was a company, Hopi, right? Not to be confused with Hope. I don't know if they still exist. Google I that real quick. I don't so. think they do. But you they know, made a steering stabilizer. Uh, just put in Hope steering stabilizer because I think it was spelled the same. Or maybe it had two E's, something like that, or an E with one of those little things over the H-O-P-E-Y top. H-O-P-E-Y steering damper. There we go. Uh, anyway, so so this this is something that's been talked about and around for some time. I, I don't know. The, the reason I wanted to bring this up, I mean, again, like I mentioned, I think you should go look at the article on Pink Pike, watch the video, watch the, you know, look at some of the photos so you have a bit more of an idea what's going on here. But I think, to me, this is the this is the kind of thing that I see, and it, it makes me feel as if the bike industry is in a little bit of a struggle to, quote-unquote, innovate. Trying to innovate to truly make the modern-day high-end premium mountain bike any better is becoming increasingly difficult. And the products that we see engineers developing are kind of a telltale sign of that. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, this is just... Yeah, like like the kiss. Yeah, I'm honestly kind of speechless. But <laughs> I mean, I don't, adding this sort of complexity to a bike, it just... Yeah, I mean, to further on Jeff's point, too, like the steering stabilizers used on motorcycles um, are used in high-speed scenarios where you're traveling, like, I'd say over 40 miles an hour for extended periods of time, um, going through whoops and ruts and unknown terrain where the front end can catch something and kind of be jolted to the side. That doesn't really happen too often on the mountain bike. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't hit downhill trails doing roughly forty miles an hour often. Mm. <laughs> um, Got to ride more, dude. Yeah. yeah. What's and what's <laughs> confusing about this product is that it's it doesn't. I don't think they even say stabilizer. Yeah. I mean, they say stabilize, but it's they don't really center. say stabilizer. It's like centering. Yeah. Steering centering. It's because um, they use a spring and not like a it does say which uses a spring to stabilize the bike steering by applying carefully designed force um but my thing is this is a spring and not a damper like a steering stabilizer is a damper it actually slows down your steering yeah in the event of it in the event jolted to one direction very quickly otherwise it doesn't actually do anything yeah where this just makes it a little bit harder to go one way but then it might rebound right back to center really quick um, I don't know. I haven't ridden it, so I can't actually 
say on that, but that's me looking at the system and thinking how it's going to work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. I mean, anyone you talk to inside or outside the industry, I think everyone kind of has trouble figuring out what could be quote unquote innovation to make the best of the best bikes work any better than they already do. Of course, innovation in my eyes can always come from making the best product less expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a given, but that's not as lucrative for people. And it, and it also doesn't change the way that the high-end premium level product works. So it's, I think the mountain bike industry is, is pretty well optimized and it's, and it's becoming increasingly hard for them to just make the bikes work better at the top end. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that, you know, optimization, I think there's still room for optimization as opposed to like more room for innovation, right? Like there's a lot of bikes out there, you know, you see minimal updates, like, I don't know, like in frame storage and like, you know, tube and tube cable routing and stuff like that, whatever. Yeah. Those are great refinements, optimizations that are quite practical and nice to have. Threaded bottom bracket, whatever it is like, you know, not needs, but there's certainly wants to have cool things. And like you said, you know, if we could just like optimize the bikes we have and even look, crazy to say but we make them cheaper i mean that'd be great like you know in, in a few years time i don't think we need anything like this but that's just me yeah it's <laughs> it's tough because i mean i, I don't I, I think the industry should still be putting money into r&d and not sure. just sitting there saying like oh we're just going to give up on innovation because the bikes can't get any better i mean that's right. that's not the right mentality um so I, I applaud Canyon and Lightville for doing this. Uh, whether this catches on or not is to be determined. I think a lot of people would probably guess that it won't catch on and become the norm. But who knows? Like, you really don't know. And, and, and regardless, you, 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 you cannot stop trying to innovate. Um, yeah. So at least they're trying, and I, I applaud them for that. What, mm-hmm. what it could do is spark someone else to have an idea that could actually – become an innovation and start to become the norm mm-hmm. from seeing this, right? They're like, oh, yeah. I saw that. That was a great idea executed, maybe not the best, but I'm going to try to execute it better. And yeah. here's my idea of this. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, no one wants to see innovation stop. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't envy the engineers that are <laughs> sitting there with you know people above them saying, make this bike work better and handing them the best mountain bike in the world. And they're like, oh, God. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a hard job. That's a hard job right now. If you're listening and you happen to have any brilliant innovations, uh, let us know. <laughs> Maybe we'll give you a 0.0001% of all of our residuals. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting stuff. Challenging, it is. challenging stuff for the bike industry to deal with. Um, that is for sure. So check it out. KS by Canyon and Lightfill. Check out the Pink Bike article. Give it a look. Give it your own, uh, yeah. drop your own comment there on Big Bike and yeah. tell them what you think. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Join the commenters. Um, yeah. Join the commenters and, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, I saw one of the funniest comments on Pink Bike that I, I think I told both of you guys yeah. about. It was that one, what was the bike brand? That green bike? Uh, is, uh, Act, oh, Act yeah, Active 5 P train or whatever. That, yeah, that so CNC fully CNC, yep. like gorgeous, yeah. super, super custom, Just like super beautiful. rare, crazy. There's so much cool innovation going on in the mountain bike scene that yeah. mostly happens all in Europe, especially with CNC machines. And it was so rad. It, it was just the coolest bike. And it happened to have, uh, it was, a, I think, a Maxxis tire and then a Continental tire. And, and the Maxxis top, and Schwalbe, the, I think. The top yeah. comment was just mismatching tire brands, unrideable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that someone else shares the same hundreds of people feel that thousands same way. of people Can't love thumbs it. up that, yeah. that comment. Can't write it. I thought that was so unrideable. Funny. Yeah. I mean, I also have total OCD and feel the exact same way, which is why I thought it was exceptionally <laughs> funny. Um, That's but, hilarious. Yeah, sometimes those pink bike comments are, are total gold. I love it. Um, speaking of gold. Speaking of gold. Here's an ad. Before we jump into our listener questions, here's a legitimate ad from one of our legitimate sponsors. Do you have gold, silver, titanium, aluminium, steel, or other types of precious metals? Come on down to Ponzi's Silver and Gold Pawn Shop. 
right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Come on down. We'll take anything you got. (laughs) (laughs) And now, back to the show. What has a bigger influence on... Why didn't you read the rest of the question? (laughs) Oh, I was just in my mouth right now. (laughs) What... (laughs) <laughs> are you guys all right what are you doing what is it what what has a what has a what has a bigger influence on how a tire behaves what has a bigger influence on how a tire behaves it's tread pattern or it's compound mm. Jeez, gosh really sink my teeth into this one uh i'm gonna go ahead and say the tread pattern because imagine a dhf in a let's just call it a ada like a hard compound that's a DHF, you know, in a 2.5 versus a, uh, I don't know, a full-blown XC tire, maybe, say, the Maxxis Icon in the same size in a soft compound. Mm. The DHF's going to work way better. Very interesting. Both horrible-sounding tires. In, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. In, they are. Really lonely... And that's why neither of them exist. It's why they what? don't make a DHF in a super hard compound, or they don't make an Icon in a slow Reezy. Like, that's why. Okay, yeah. but here's a specific use where a really soft Icon could actually be really sick. Well, there's always a specific use for, and there's probably a specific like, use for a DHF that's a ADA compound, like yeah. Whistler, for example. Oh, I was thinking opposite. I want a super soft tire for Whistler. That's Not a... if you work at a pizza shop part-time. Mm-hmm. I don't. And you you pay $3,500 a month for rent, and you make $2,200 a month at the pizza shop, then you definitely want your tires to last as long as possible. Did you say the rent was more than the income? Yeah, Yeah, I did. Um, That's probably the real-life scenario for some people that live in Whistler. Don't laugh at them. I'm not. But for for other people that don't, don't you think an Icon, really soft compound, would be awesome grip at Whistler on A-Line and Dirt Merchant? It wasn't like an SS, basically. But not a soft compound. Well, now you're really make, throwing in some curveballs here. Yeah. SS is semi-slick, which means you still have these epic corner knobs, but just no But it's a fast top center. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fast center tread. Well, I mean, yeah, I think you're right that tread pattern um, is probably the biggest determining factor. Because, yeah, I think I'm, I'm picturing like a shorty, like on the extreme end of the se- spectrum, like, yeah, a shorty with, I don't know, a hard compound. Versus, yeah, like a recon, soft compound, yeah, I mean. Yeah. I would say that of all tire brands, Maxxis makes a lot of variants, different sizes, widths, um, compounds, compounds, casings. Casings, yeah. But, however, they... Whoops, just kicked the shelf behind me, sorry. However, they don't make illogical things. Yeah. Uh, meaning they're, they're not going to make a cross-country tire in a casing that you would never no one would ever buy you know i mean it doesn't make any business sense for them to make that it would be it wouldn't be sensible to do that so so at least you have you know some level of confidence that any maxis tire you buy i mean has some level of sensibility to it because they wouldn't have made it if it didn't make sense uh but tread pattern is huge we've got so many videos on tires about this stuff yeah figure out what to use for your bike there is one elusive Maxxis tire that's an oddball that I really want. What? It's an Icon 2.35 double down casing. Wow. That exists? It's, there's a skew for it. Really? Yeah. So, Andrew, if you're listening, I want one. That's cr- I mean, I've seen some of those tires on Max website where it's like, you guys make that, but you like search for it and you can't it's find it anywhere. Nowhere. I was like, why did they do But that would yeah, be a pretty sweet light that. trail bike tire. A- an Icon rear double down on the back of like a, you know, 115, 120 mil bike? Yeah, but so few people think that. I would never use that. That makes no sense to me. Like, if I'm going to use that tire, I don't want it to be as heavy as a double-down casing. Well, probably because you're not going to ride on a trail that would demand the casing, right? With that tread pattern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But say you're going or to with bike. somewhere with really sharp rocks that shred your tires, but you're going fast and you want fast rolling resistance. You could make that argument for places in Arizona. Exactly. Cross-country riding with heard, extremely sharp rocks. I heard there's a lot of yeah. like really sharp shale in Bentonville, and people mm-hmm. have to like size up on tires. Because, hmm. yeah, you don't so, need anything super knobby there probably. I mean, just being that there's not a lot of steep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, well, there's a case for that. Yeah. Let's, let's without, without ending up into a podcast that talks about nothing about tires and <laughs> excruciating detail. Should we just call this the Mountain Bike Tire Podcast? The Mountain Bike Tire Podcast. We could that, have another podcast. You know what? Podcast. Honestly, if that was another podcast, people would listen to it. 
People love tires. I'm a starter. Man, we love next. tires on the mountain bike. You tire love park. tires. You have a you have a little pocketbook with a bunch of tires. Oh, it's now like, handwritten. Oh, you finally you wow. finally digitized this, oh, yeah, Grandpa. It's a spreadsheet. Wow. I have an in, <laughs> I, I have an inventory well, of my garage. Well, used to have a handwritten yeah. notebook with all I've, these tires. I've, I've seen it. I have three boxes of Max's tires in my garage. Wow. Yeah, that's it's ridiculous. The next question is: Do I need a chain guide? Most likely. I'm going to say not always. Yeah, I would disagree, Liam. Because <laughs> it depends I, on... I, I'm just like, why not? The chain guide's like a one-up or I mean, yeah, a wolf tooth yeah, yeah, upper okay. guide well, is let's, so light. Let's just let's clarify, though. So so chain guides come in a couple flavors. One is just the upper guide. Yes. And just the upper guide, if installed correctly, will not even ever touch the chain. So Correct. it does essentially nothing um, but add a tiny bit of weight to your bike, depending on like your chain guide mount. 30 grams. Yeah, or, or maybe 90 if you don't have a Okay, the, yeah, the heaviest mount. option. Yeah. Um, a, a negligible amount of weight to your bike, it adds. It doesn't even touch the chain. Um, so a lot of people just say, well, then I'm just going to use it. And a lot of bike brands said the same thing, which is why they come stock on a ton of bikes these days. Yep. So why not is the question. It's like, well, barely adds any weight. A lot of bikes come with them stock these days. Doesn't cause any resistance. Adds some security. Why yeah. not? Yeah, just yeah. an upper guide. But the other flavor of chain guide has a whole lower... Like a bash. S- a whole bash guard. Two. I guess, there, yeah, yeah. There's, there's like... The lower bash. Yeah, but that's just a bash guard. Yeah, with an upper guide usually. It's like yeah. upper guide connected to the bash. Yeah. I feel like that usually still helps though, like keep Well, the whole on. the whole lower sort of chain tensioner part, I don't know what you would even call that, the lower half of a chain guide that has a lower half, which has a pulley wheel in it, the mm-hmm. chain goes on. Yeah. Um, that's what you see on downhill bikes. Yeah, right. And that does cause some resistance to your whole pedaling Correct. situation. Um, but it makes it pretty much impossible for the chain to come off. Yeah. So if you're on a downhill, like if you look at downhill bikes, they all have those. Um, well, I shouldn't say they all, but almost, almost. all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you look at enduro or trail bikes, they pretty much these days all have upper guides. Yeah, mm-hmm. upper guides. I don't. You don't really even see too many of those lower wheel guides. No. on an enduro bike anymore. You almost never see almost them. Never. Yeah, because once they invented narrow wide chain rings yeah. and you put an upper guide on it, it's almost impossible to drop a chain. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not impossible, but it's almost yeah. impo- highly unlikely. Ha- have you seen Cascade Components lower guide Mm-mm. and upper guide for the lower guide? It's really cool. It's basically a bash guard, and where the bash comes out is chain ring size specific, and a piece of plastic comes out over the chain. So it doesn't touch the chain just like the upper guy, but it doesn't allow the, the chain to come off the bottom of the chain ring. I have one on my crest line. Oh, uh, cool. yeah. Yeah. Wow, Cascade Components, once again, coming in with some quite impressive engineering. Hmm. So basically, do you need a chain guide? It depends if you have a trailer and a bike. You, I mean, you're not. And, you might, you might up, as well. Yeah, an upper guide. Why not? Yeah, put yeah. one on there. There's, you got it rocky doesn't trails. Hurt. Yep, chain bouncing around. If you got a, you know, long travel downhill bike, then yeah, put a full guide on there. Yeah. Yep. And a bash guard. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking, yeah, check out the Cascade Components ones. That's pretty cool. Speaking of bash guards, speaking Jim? of bash guards, beans or yogurt? Which one's a better tire sealant? <laughs> It has nothing to do with bash cards, but my answer is beans. I'm going to say beans too. Uh, because the, the – the, what do you call that? The, the viscosity of the beans. I don't think – I think the sauce would just well, pfft, right through well, the hole in the tire. But look, I think the actual bean yeah. core would clog it. For sure. Yeah. And are we talking like you know pinto or black hole beans or are we talking like refried? Beans, oh, I was thinking you know? barbecue baked barbecue beans. Barbecue baked beans. Personally, just probably because the smell would be better when you – you know, had it in there, like, like three month old, three month barbecue old baked barbecue beans. baked bean sealant versus like black or pinto bean sealant. Yogurt would just splatter all over the place, and it would probably dry up. It wouldn't have any coagulative properties. No, no, it wouldn't. Well, nice. hang on. Wait, if the yogurt oh, spoils, yogurt. that's true. Yeah, you're right. If the yogurt spoils, then it the would have coagulative spoils, properties. Then it would be pretty, yeah, coagulative. How about um, yogurt mixed with beans? And the beans, the yogurt mix. The, the yogurt might stay relatively liquid e longer than the beans. The you beans so? might dry up into a clump. Y- I was thinking the opposite. Have you ever left really? refried beans yeah. in the pan for like twenty minutes too long? Like yeah, those, those things are rock rock hard. hard. 
Yeah. You made your major refried beans. You made sat but that's down different. Ate, refried is back up. I was thinking whole beans, not refried. Oh, man. Well, now we're going down uh, the bean hole here. We're going down the bean hole. Next question. There are many things I carry in my backpack for quote-unquote emergencies, some of which I've had for years and never used. What's the time cutoff where I can decide I don't really need this item and leave it behind? And what is the most underrated item to bring Ooh, on a long ride? That's a good question. Well, the second one's e- kind of easier to answer than the first one. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's do first of time. So, so if you've got a bunch of things that you carry with you and some you haven't used in years, at what point do you just say, screw it, I'm not taking this with me anymore? I would look at that as a weight situation. Yeah. So, for example, a master link. I don't. I haven't broken a chain in three years. And the last time I broke one, it's because I was trying to ride through some ridiculously overgrown thing, and a like stick got it. It was like totally user error. Like I was trying to ride around that one this fence over by Bobby's trail, mm. and the like a it was a it yeah. was, branches went into my drivetrain, and I continued to pedal because I was like I'm not on clipping. Um, <laughs> but and I broke a chain. What you're saying <laughs> is the master link doesn't weigh you down. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So I had a Master Link. I almost never used it. I used it, you know, once in six years. Uh, However, it was really useful to have that one time in six years, Mm -hmm. and it weighs essentially nothing. Yeah. Um, So I would, I don't know, I I, I would analyze this as, you know, what's the heaviest? Yeah. And if it weighs nearly nothing, then just keep it with you because the second you're like, you know what, I haven't used this Master Link in three years, and you leave it at home, you shaved three grams off of your bike and or backpack and then you break a chain and yeah. you're like, oh yeah. man. <laughs> That's the day you break your chain. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I would look at it as a weight thing yeah. and, and how you're carrying it. Now, um, if you bring a huge pump with you every time and you haven't gotten a flat in years, maybe just grab a CO2 and like shave the weight and like just, you know, thin down your pack. Yeah, well, speak. it's funny you say that because uh, our latest trending products on the mountain bike industry that comes out on October 31st, we talked about that, yeah. right? So Lazine makes that one pump. Mm-hmm. And didn't you say, did you, did you weigh that? Or I weighed them, just... yeah. Well, I weighed two CO2s in a chuck head, and I weighed the pump, and the CO2s were heavier than the pump. Which is a pretty, I mean, they weren't more compact. I was going to say. Not more compact. More um, compact versus right. Less aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, I but mean. But weight-wise, the pump yeah. was lighter yeah. than two CO2s I, in a chuck head. Um, for this guy, I feel like he should just go down the list of what he has and, you know, basically, like, imagine situations where you would need to fix your bike, right? Like, you're going to get either a flat tire, break your chain, or maybe snap a shifter cable or whatever, you know? Like, play out all of the, you know, instances instances where you could use these things and then be like, well, if I have a roll of duct tape in my pack, I'm probably not going to need that. Like, We could build an algorithm for this. Yeah. yeah. Likelihood of scenario. Yeah. Weight of thing that fixes <laughs> said <thing>. scenario. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what I do. I, like when I evaluate what I put in my pack, I'm like, what are the things that could happen? And like, yeah, no, I haven't snapped a chain in a while either. But I'm gonna bring my master link and like same with the tube. Like I always bring it. Yeah, and it depends where I'm riding. My local rides, right. I run pretty minimal. I got a you know sometimes just tire plug CO two and a and a multi tool. Yeah. But if I'm going to the backcountry, I've got a lot of stuff. I've got even a little bit of first aid stuff. Like if yeah. there's no cell service, like, smart. well, how are you going to get out of there if something bad happens, you know? So yeah, it's also, yeah, where you're riding specific. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, it is. And I mean, if you're using a backpack, then whatever. Like yeah. it's your, that whole backpack weighs a lot at that point too. And you can yep. fit a lot of stuff in it, especially a lot of lightweight things, which kind of goes into the second question. What's the most underrated item to bring in a long ride? Mm. Uh, I mean, I think master links are pretty important, but I don't know if you'd call that underrated. I think maybe something that would be underrated that isn't super common to bring on a ride would be a derailleur cable, which if you have access, electronic wireless drivetrain, it's not even necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that case, you'd want to bring a battery. A battery. Yeah. Like Jared. Hey, Jared. Oh, hi. Oh, you thought you were going to live that one down, but you <laughs> didn't <Yeah>. yet. <laughs> Never Mr. will. Dead access battery on a ride in Durango. I know. And I so kindly lent him my dropper yeah. post battery until Jeff said, nope, give that back. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I'll give it back to you. I don't want to make you high post the rest of this ride. Um, underrated mean, item? Single, because then we were like, well, why don't we, single speeding is better yeah. on a mountain yeah. bike ride than having no then, dropper post. Then yeah. I was a nice guy, and I matched his gear yeah. and rode the rest of the trail in that mm-hmm. gear. So Yeah. We were in it together. Yeah, team. I appreciate that. 
So underrated um, item, driller cable, because uh, those can break. I got and two. What do you have? Toilet paper or paper towels. Ooh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for longer rides. Paper towels come in a lot of handy fixing flats with sealant. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's um, true, man. I cuts. Can, when you fix flats, you get yeah. sealant everywhere. Yeah, it's a mess. so sealant, cuts, um, or you have to go number two on the trail. Yeah. Um, and then the other one that I always stash in a bunch of places are zip ties. I was going to say zip ties. Yeah. 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 I always keep zip ties. That's another one of those useful things that doesn't weigh anything. Kind of doesn't like weigh anything. Cable or paper towels or mm-hmm. toilet paper. And you can put three together and hold together tires or you know mm-hmm. pedals or uh, derailers. Yeah, yeah. What do you got, Jared? What's yeah, zip, zip tie. Yeah, zip tie. Um, or just like a like a you know bar, like Cliff Bar or a snack, just like that you keep you know back pocket. I don't know. That's yeah, maybe underrated, but like. Having a snack like that and just like you just remember yeah, when you you're have when it. you're bonked out. Yeah, or when you're bonked, that's yeah. like, oh, I have that bar. Like, or when you went on a ride with friends who didn't tell you how long it was, and yeah. then you're just really grateful to have 190 calories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with zip tie honestly though, because like one of those items I also have not needed in years, but I'm gonna like break a spoke one day and be like, man, I wish I had that zip tie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no weighs nothing. Yeah. Cool. The next question is, are four-stall demo bikes available for demo in your shops? Ooh. Uh, four-stall, the Andorran high-end e-bike mountain bike brand. Uh, we've talked about them before on the podcast, and it's a brand that we have – man, well, we talked about when we went to Andorra. Lee yep. and I went to Andorra to ride the bikes, see their entire sort of vertically integrated manufacturing and operations and whole HQ, which was awesome. Uh, we'll have more YouTube videos on that brand in the future because there's a lot of story to tell there and some fantastic bikes. And, uh, yes, we do. Yep. Mm. You would know more specifically, right, Liam? We have, what's available in which shop? Uh, I don't know exact specifics, but we have a bike, one forestal available in our East Coast shop in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We have one available in our uh, Reno, Nevada shop, and we have two, a medium and a large, available in our California shop. Mm-hmm. So come on out and try them. Yeah, and we're we have a lot of the a lot of their bikes right now, and a lot of the staff has them too. So we're more than happy to make sure you can try one and test one out if you're curious about them. Um, definitely a bike brand that should be people should be paying attention to if you're in the e-bike market because yep. they're making some pretty incredible stuff. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah. I just built up a sweet new one, and I'm really stoked to ride. Yeah, you did. Saw that today. Yeah. What color do they call that thing? Their it's paint called, is so rad because they paint them in Andorra, which yeah. is rad. They have all these amazing colors. Uh, the technical color is Orient Jade, oh. but I'm nicknaming it Mint Chip. Yeah. I could see Mint Chip. I could see yeah. Mint Chip. Yeah. It's kind of a a light Mint Chip. Yeah. But some Mint Chip's white. It, yeah, I know. So it's yeah. it's a Mint Chip without the food coloring. Correct. But then that's totally white. So maybe it's a Mint Chip with light food coloring. Yeah. Because it's certainly not that Rite Aid pharmacy no. Mint Chip that's, you know, looks like lime, lime green. green. Yeah. It's like fluorescent. Fluorescent green Mint Chip <laughs> that you bought at the pharmacy when you were a kid. But it's but also it's not, not that Bayer's white Mint fancy, Chip where yeah. they're like, oh, it's organic. <laughs> it's organic. Speaking of organic... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing those because I love doing that. And uh, if sorry if you don't like that because I really enjoy doing it. But speaking of organic, any plans for sales in November? Uh, well, should we leak the sales? I don't know. Should we do play, it? Play a sound effect. Uh, we, we are – so – we we don't typically do a lot of sales on the Worldwide Cycler Trail One or Kettle side. Um, we try and just offer a really high level of service and product and white glove it and try and make that our thing rather than being a discount kind of situation. But we, of course, still play in the game of selling things. So we've got to offer some sales here and there. And we usually do every November for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Mm. Uh, this year, we might be announcing the whole Black November. Ooh. Actually, you know what? We're going to call it the November Blowout. Oh. And uh, we're going to make some funny videos. Uh, I didn't tell you this yet, Jared, but 
We're going to make some funny videos oh, as if man. you had a blowout in the toilet, but you blew out bike parts all over the toilet. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I totally you heard Jared's now. first reaction to that. So I, uh, I, I understand this now because in the email thread, I did see that when, too. And when I Dominic didn't... sent that like oh. gift from uh, Dumb and Dumber of, mm-hmm. the, of the guy just like blowing out in that girl's house. <laughs> Uh, I was like, I, I don't really understand why you're sending this, but it's hilarious. So. I don't really either. I just archived it and moved yeah. on. Yeah, so the November blowout, we will have a lot of stuff for sale on the WC site um, with some exclusive brands being added to the sale just mm. for November 14th to the 28th. Oh. Uh, but pretty much all the brands and a ton of stuff will be on sale all of November on the WC side. Uh, Trail 1. Um, I believe we're going to do kind of a sale for the trails since Trail One's ethos is giving back to trail networks and we'll do some sales there for the month of November and also up the – typically it's a dollar per product sold goes to trail networks and we'll double it to $2. Um, and then we'll have a nice little sale going on the kettle side as well. Uh, but more importantly, the definition of blowout on Urban Dictionary – well, there's a few of them. But this one is an uncontrolled, poorly contained, and always catastrophic bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> Always the chunky runs, so bad that even heavy pants can't hide the mess. Oh, no. Food poisoning or a very disagreeable meal are two main culprits for a blowout. Uh, so but I mean, you know, you can you can uh, take the word blowout however you take it. We're doing a November blowout and we're blowing out some sales. Hell yeah, we are. Uncontrollably. Uncontrollably. We are going to poorly contained and always catastrophic November sales is what we're doing. Thank you for the question. Uh, Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, man. That's fantastic. Uh, This next question from Daniel. Sprinkles. Mm. Sprinkles cookies or crumble cookies? Sprinkles? I think we have sprinkles around here somewhere. I thought it was sprinkles cupcakes. Oh, it could be. I mean, they probably also sell cookies. Yeah, probably. Well, since none of us know what Sprinkles cookies, I'm guessing we're all going to go Crumble cookies. Yeah. I mean, I figure this is I more of a question for you because you're a big I, cookie I, guy. I am a chocolate chip cookie connoisseur, but I do think kind of Crumble cookies are a touch overrated. God, so I, such good I just alliteration don't think there right is there. The chocolate chocolate impressive. cookie connoisseur kind of Crumble cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm kind of on the same train. They're like cool, fancy. They're yeah. good for like parties, you know? Um, I don't know. I don't get up with those kind of parties, but um, – where there's like fancy cupcakes and cookies. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. I mean, I guess over those two I go crumble, but. Yeah. I'll tell you what I do. Red velvet cupcakes from Nothing Bunt Cakes. Mm. That sounds you good. You ever had those? Yeah. Those I like this, the snickerdoodle flavor from Nothing Bunt Cakes. That sounds good too. Well, I just like good old-fashioned chocolate chip cookie. I ain't, I ain't special. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, bud. <laughs> oh. We live in 2022. There's so much choice. You got to discover Got to go to a cookie shop, man. Go to a cookie shop. Go to an expensive cookie shop. Uh, This next question, I guess it is a question. Yeah. Sort of a statement. Weaver deserves his own office, doesn't he? Uh, So Weaver, that is Zach Weaver. He was prominently featured in our Breck Epic feature film. Uh, Yeah. I think after you watch that, you might realize why he deserves his own office. Um. I think we kind of dogged him a little bit on the last podcast because we said he didn't hit that drop on flow. Yeah. Um, so we will say that. You know what? I'll just tell you this. You go ahead and you watch that Breck Epic film, and you will realize why this question is here and probably also really admire Weaver and his way of life. Yeah. But I don't think he should have his own office, even if he deserves it, because the people who come in the shop just love seeing his face, and they love – Having him right there, and and we in the shop, yeah. love hearing his, yeah. Um, what did you call him? Outbursts, antics, blurbs, antics. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things, and obviously, I put some thought into this in the whole open floor plan or office, <laughs> offices or cubicles situation. Uh, I obviously lean towards what we have in the stores, which is more of an open floor plan for pretty much everyone. And uh, it's tough. Is it convenient for conference calls and things like that? No, but we have a conference room for that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, is it more productive to be in your own office? Arguably, yes. And actually, I think there is research studies that say you are more productive. However, do you have more fun if no. everyone was in their own no. box all day? No, no. way. 
at that point, why even come to yeah. a certain location? Like the whole point of the culture and an open floor plan is for people to laugh and talk to each other and hopefully still be relatively productive but enjoy themselves. And in my eyes, it's like can, if we sacrifice a little bit of productivity for more fun and sort of social element to the business and the work environment, then it's worth it. Yeah. Plus then you'd have everyone walking up, hanging out in his office, and they're not at their desk, and they can't like – Answer an email and keep the conversation going. You know, yeah. yeah. There's like no answer. There's no answer yeah. to that question. But yeah, while he does deserve it, he's not we, getting. He's it. not getting one. <laughs> <laughs> we want him. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Uh, this next question, man, have I heard this a hundred times? So in that recent video I put out about that Revel Ranger, I mentioned that I like to keep my bikes light, uh, especially my, you know, light trail bike. And this question is, since Jeff is so into lightening his bike, does he always take a dump before riding? Uh, you know, it's just one of those questions that's like, I've heard that a million times. And <laughs> I take a dump when uh, I have the urge to. I think like most people, I don't just like force them before a ride. Um, but I think, you know, a, a bike being light is about how the bike performs at that weight range, uh, which is very different than if your body is physically lighter than it could be. I'm not going to go into any more detail. Well said. Um, and I'm also going to add, if you're not regular, you should probably work on that so you poop at the same time every day, and then that way you are you can almost guarantee that you will poop before you ride. Well, that depends on what time you ride. Well, exactly. And that ass- assumption is that you stay in the same time zone all the time. Well, yeah, I'm assuming There's that. a lot of variables in that statement, Jared. First of all, you know, do yourself a favor. Train your body to poop right after you wake up because that's the best way to do it. And then you can guarantee that you will be poop-free for your whole ride. <laughs> that's all I got to say. Wise wisdom I, from Jared. I, I, don't, I don't even know if I can believe Jared because I've – Spent weeks with him at a time, and yeah, we'll just leave, we'll just leave that there. <laughs> you always have a surprise here and there, but for the most part, you know, I mean, Willie, read the next question. <laughs> Compare carbon frame with aluminum components versus an uh, aluminum frame with mm. all carbon components. It's honestly a hard question. British pronunciation, I see there. Yeah, I had to mix it up. Aluminium. Um, I think that's honestly a hard question. It is a hard question. Um, yeah, it is hard. Because uh, I don't even like all carbon components, you know. Oh come on! What do you like? That's not. What do you want as far as a component that's not carbon? I don't care about carbon wheels. Yeah. Um, Says the guy with carbon wheels. I have alloy wheels too. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Sure. My all my bigger bikes usually tend to lean towards alloy I got wheels. Nine bikes. Don't you tell me what I have or don't have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, th- I'm thinning the herd, man. Yeah, right, dude. I am. Oh, God. I'm thinning the herd. Um, um, oh, gosh, this is hard, but I'm going to say carbon frame with aluminum components because. Yeah, why? Um, I personally really much I like. A logical reason. There isn't really a logical reason. Yeah. It's mostly, mostly I like the aesthetic of a carbon frame. Mm. Yeah, that's valid. I would say depends on bike travel. It was under like 130 rear travel. I would go carbon frame with alloy components. Okay, I like. It I see where you're going. There. Over, it's a good idea. I would go alloy frame with carbon components. Um, I kind of like the way like big travel alloy frames ride. Yeah, personally, I think they ride good. They have a good heft to them and a good like response to them. So I wouldn't say heft. Carbon frames are heavy now too. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes carbon frames are lighter in the lower travel ranges or in hardtails. And that's why I said that. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. I don't know what I'd do. I'd, I'd kind of go with what you said, Liam. I think that a shorter travel bike would make sense to have a carbon... Shorter travel bike and or hardtail, excluding dirt jumper, would make sense to have a carbon frame and alloy components and longer travel... I'd feel much more acceptable having an aluminum frame with carbon components on it. Yeah. Well, after listening to all your reasoning, I'm just going to have to agree. Yeah, he's <laughs> changed. Yeah. <laughs> that That is honestly a, a pretty tough question when you think about it because, yeah. I don't know, I mean, I, I think that 
you kind of get negligible gains from either, right? Like if you had a bike and it had a carbon frame versus, you know, if, yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's really not that different. Yeah, and then you have to like kind of go down the weeds on like, well, is it, you know, a nice alloy part or like, a, you know, kind of entry level and so yeah. on. So it's a it's a open question still. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say though that uh, carbon handlebars do make a really big difference in terms of just how they feel and make the bike feel yep. without. Yeah. So, and that's more important, I think, even on a shorter travel bike when you have less and or mm-hmm. no front suspension travel. Mm-hmm. So, in that case, I'd really want carbon bars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I know. That's a tough one. It's like, well, I obviously want the carbon frame with the carbon bar. And <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, can I just get one carbon bar on there, please? Yeah. I, w- please? I, would, I, would, I would give up carbon cranks and carbon wheels to have a carbon bar. And, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yep. Well, thank you. Whoever asked that question for a good. That was a brain teaser. Mm-hmm. What yeah. they call that? Brain Thought teaser. Provoking yeah. question. Thought provoking question. A head scratcher. That's a head scratcher. Mm-hmm. It's a head scratcher. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate that and all of the questions. If you're wondering how to submit a question, you can send it to podcast at worldwidecyclery via email, uh, or if you're on top of your shies. Check the Instagram, and uh, Jared usually posts a little thing, and he's like, hey, we're recording to be podcast. Ask us some questions. Yeah. So either one of those. But um, if you have a longer question, it's better to email it because yeah, – There's a character limit. There is a character limit when you ask the question mm-hmm. via Instagram. Um, or you could DM it to us on Instagram, and oh, it yeah, might get go. lost. It might not. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Great sales pitch. Just Wait, don't you yeah. manage the Instagram, Jared? Yep, and that's why I said that. Yeah, okay. So uh, best way to do it is definitely email podcast at worldwidecyclery.com. And we've been getting a lot of great questions at that email. So thank you for asking those questions. And if you've listened this far, two things. One, we love you. Mm-hmm. Two, we would appreciate if you would give us a rating on wherever you get your podcasts. Oh. Rate and review, please. But only if it's five stars. If it's less than five stars, let us know why. You can email Jared personally and tell him why. Podcast at worldletslikeer.com. Yeah. Say, this is why I was going to post a four-star review, but you said to not do it unless it was five stars. So I'm emailing you telling you that I don't like your voices, but I like the information. Bye. (laughs) What if that was a review? I hope they maybe the opposite. I really want someone to like my voice, and I don't care what I say. Your content is pretty lackluster, but gosh, I just love listening to you talk. (laughs) You've got a voice for radio, son. <laughs> like a face and for a radio. face for radio, face, too. Face for radio. Oh, Thank it. you for listening to this episode 99 of the MTB Podcast. We will see you next time we record a podcast. Bye for now. Bye. Love ya. Bye.